Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saubona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. All my yogi friends out there, namaste and satnam. And of course, Hawaii, aloha, aloha. We love you. We're sending lots of love and strength. Stand strong in Hawaii, especially Lahana, Lahaina, Maui. We love you, and you're going to rise above the ashes. All right. So welcome, welcome to my village and to Viata Health and Wellbeing with Viata. I'm on Blog Talk Radio every Friday morning and uh, Sunday evening with Soul Purpose Healing. But today, we're talking about postpartum health today. There are lots of women who have chosen to carry their babies for nine months. And by the way, today is September 29th, 2023. And guess what? Those numbers add up to a nine. We are so in sync and harmonizing today with the universe and the environment and everything, cosmic energy, nine on the date and nine in the one. I have a fantastic video that I'm going to show you here on uh, Facebook Live and YouTube 
that is going to maybe bring tears to your eyes because it represents the process from um, semen planting to baby born. In nine minutes, how about that one? I, I didn't make this up. Nine minutes, you're going to see the whole process from the start of the little sperm swimming and all that goes on on the inside. It's a beautiful, beautiful visual of the whole birthing and planting and birthing and process. And it really demonstrates the divine symphony and synchronistic order of pregnancy, which is what we're talking about today. I have some wonderful doulas joining me, some women coming on to join me today to bring this discussion to light for all of us, because I truly believe we can all become doulas. Some of us are certified, and some are just practicing the role of doula, which is a support role for pregnant women. And you don't have to have a master's or a Ph.D. to be a doula. You just have to have knowledge and information to give to your client or the pregnant woman as she needs it. And she is the one running the show. That's the key. When you become a doula, the pregnant woman is running the show. You're supporting her in all her decisions to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So that's what the show is all about today. But first, every Friday morning we do some joint rolling. Why? We are improving our immune system and we are improving our uh, circulation and we're improving all the functions and systems in here that keep us healthy. So that's why we do joint rolling. So I'm going to give you some music, some beautiful music by the sounds of blackness. It's time for healing. This song just doesn't get old. Time for healing every day. Why? Because many and most of us have had trauma in our youth, in our childhood, that needs healing if we're going to become whole, healthy, productive human beings with great relationships, okay? So that's why we're here, first and foremost, to do some joint rolling. And we do this for a couple of minutes before we go back into my studio. This is my living room area. And we're going to do our joint rolling, starting with breath work, breathing in, through the nose, through the nose, breathing in, and exhaling through the nose. Breathing in, inhaling, inhaling through the nose, and exhaling through the mouth. You can do it either way, nose, mouth, exhaling, but please, please don't inhale through the mouth. It'll dry your mouth out quicker doing this. But sometimes there are yoga practices that do um, start off with breathing, breathing in through the mouth. We're not doing that today. We want to energize and bring more oxygen to the body after a long night's sleep. That's the purpose of inhaling through the nose, inhaling through the nose, and exhaling. Inhaling and exhaling. We, for those of you in the Blog Talk studio who can't see me on uh, YouTube or Facebook, we're going to start out rolling our head around, getting the biggest joint in our body loosened up and stretched. Then we're going to go to our shoulders and 
loosen up the shoulders backwards and forwards. We're going to go do some swimming in the sea of energy this morning. Got lots of energy around me, beautiful plant energy. And I have my windows open. It's a cloudy, cool day in Florida. Thank goodness, Florida. It's cooled down now. We're not in this intense heat anymore. So it's beautiful. I sleep with my windows open. Loving my life, loving my life. I am too blessed to be stressed. That's my motto lately. So then we go on our back and kick our legs up. And I'm going to show you two ways to improve your circulation and your immune system by moving the legs around and the ankles, the ankle joints, knee joints, hip joints. Those are the main joints in our lower body that we're going to move when we get on our back. So welcome. Thank you for joining me this morning. I'm so excited to share about the postpartum help that we have for women and to talk about this sacred placenta. So much I've learned about the placenta this week. I had to ask my body and the creator for forgiveness for throwing it away. Yeah, throwing it away. Most women have no clue how sacred that placenta is. And some women choose to do certain things with it that others may not, but it's still sacred. It's all sacred. It's all up here. Sacred, sacred, sacred. So we're going to talk a lot about that with my doula friend and on later. So thank you for joining me. Uh Okay, so uh, thank you for joining me, and I'm going to answer. My, one of my doulas is uh, texting me, I think. Uh, let me just answer her because she wants to join me on Zoom. Uh, send it to your email. Join your join Okay, so we're ready to rock and roll. All right, so let's get your rock and roll uh, mind on, rolling, rolling, and let me play some time for healing music because that's what we need. We need some time for healing music, and I'll put it on low so you can hear my voice a little bit better. Right. Right. Roll with the other. Breathe in as you go. Breathe in and out. Woo! Let's roll with Oh, 
is always with me. So thank you for joining us today to talk about postpartum help. We've got help for all those women out there who choose to enjoy the symphony and the divine order of making a baby. I saw, uh, and then on the other hand, we have the government pushing the opposite solution that we're going to bring. I saw an interview by someone named Kiki Palmer uh, talking to uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, about the crisis that we have with maternity. maternity. Many women are, are dying in childbirth and uh, as the babies are dying quickly. In fact, minority women have a, a rate of mortality that is three times higher than other women. Let me say that again. Minority women are dying at a rate three times higher uh, than other women. So when Kamala Harris and Kiki Palmer talked about this crisis, it was very informative, very enlightening, very compassionate. And then halfway through the interview, Ms. Kamala Harris, VP, says, well, the best solution is abortion. I mean, I'm like in shock because the interview was going really well, and then all of a sudden it turned quickly to reproductive rights. This was the conversation from Ms. VP Kamala Harris. The reproductive rights have been taken away, and you have to make sure you're voting for people that are going to re- re- bring back your reproductive rights, which means abortion rights. That was like the end of the interview, was pushing abortion for those women who have had crisis, maternal crisis, or her solution was we need to make sure everybody has reproductive rights to end that pregnancy and get rid of the problem. That's what they, they kind of discussed it as a problem when women have to suffer through this pregnancy. Well, I want to show you this beautiful video that I found. And then I looks like uh, Empress Uzuri is here. So uh, I'm going to bring her on right after this video. This video is nine minutes. If you're in the Blog Talk studio, I would highly suggest you either go to my YouTube channel, Viata's Tiny House Village, or go to Facebook Live, uh, Soul Purpose Healing, so you can watch this beautiful symphony and divine order in this video. It brought tears to my My brother, uh, Kwame Sunhorse, sent this to me yesterday, and I was talking to him about the show, and he said, let me send you this really awesome video. Wow, wow, just wow. Because if you, as you watch it, I want you to see the divinity and the synchronicity and the sacredness in this whole process that many of us women miss and we ended up getting throwing away the placenta and giving it off to the medical system. Wrong, wrong decision on my part. Now, I'm going to give you enough information that hopefully you'll, those who are still in the childbearing years will have enough knowledge and information to make a better decision going forward. Oh, but watching this, I just hope, come away with a more uh, – respectful appreciation for the birthing and it is
bar, the cold, the lot of comes with with having a baby, being pregnant. We lost the whole wisdom that goes along with that process. So thank you, Kwame Sonhorst, for sending me this awesome display of divinity, sacredness, and synchronicity, and harmony, and symphony. There's so much caught up in this with the music and all that. So I'm going to play that for you. It's a little over nine minutes, and today... 92923 is a 9. So we are really in synchronicity watching this video and playing this video and remembering today is about remembering our sacredness that we forgot and all the parts that come with it. So that's where we're going right now when we uh play over you to honor our divinity and the sacredness of our church. So let me start it up. During ejaculation, nearly 300 million sperms move from the testes through the tubes called the vas deferens into the area of the prostate. At this point, the prostate contracts, closing off the opening between the bladder and the urethra, releasing fluid into the urethra and pushing semen on through. The seminal forms a thick fluid that is alkaline in order to protect sperm from the acidic environment of the female vagina. The gel is liquefied by enzymes from the prostate gland. It also contains sugars to nourish the sperm. The seminal plasma is left in the vagina. Sperm use their tails to swim through the layers of cervical mucus that guard the entrance to the uterus. During ovulation, this barrier becomes thinner and changes its acidity, creating a friendlier environment for the sperm. On the other side, after releasing the egg at about day 14 of the period, the egg arrives at a specific portion of the tube called the ampular ismic junction. It rests for another 30 hours. Fertilization occurs in this portion of the tube. Once the sperm has entered the uterus, contractions propel the sperm upward into the fallopian tubes. To meet the waiting egg, sperm must travel from the vagina to the fallopian tubes, a tough journey that few sperm survive. This process may be nature's way of allowing only the healthiest sperm to fertilize the egg to provide the best chances of having a healthy baby. The first sperm enter the tubes a few minutes after ejaculation. But, however, the first sperm are not likely to fertilize the egg. Modal sperm can survive in the female reproductive tract for up to five days. The magic happens in the fallopian tubes. The fallopian tube pushes the egg towards the uterus. Cilia push the sperm towards the egg. Also, the surrounding cells of the egg produce a chemical that attracts sperm. The sperm first burrow through the cells of the corona radiata. Then, upon contact with the zona pellucida, 
the sperm bind to the receptors in the zona pellucida. Then, the enzyme-filled cap of the sperm, called the acrosome, releases its stored digestive enzymes. Finally, the sperm must fuse with the egg plasma membrane. This event causes the egg membrane to change and prevent other sperm from attaching to it. Now attached, the sperm's nucleus, where the chromosomes are stored, enters the egg cell, looking for the egg's nucleus. Egg combines genetic material with the sperm to create a full set of chromosomal DNA with 23 pairs of chromosomes that contain a unique copy of half the genes of the parent source. This is the blueprint for a whole new unique person that instantly determines gender, hair color, eye color, and many other characteristics. The combined sperm and egg is called a zygote. It is the earliest developmental stage. It divides rapidly in the days following fertilization. The zygote then travels down the fallopian tube to the uterus. After fertilization, the zygote continues to divide and morph into a blastocyst ball of 16 cells approximately five to six days after fertilization. It is smaller than the tip of a ballpoint pen. Only 20% to 30% of fertilized eggs will reach the blastocyst stage. Embryos that survive this stage of development have a high implantation potential once transferred into the uterine cavity. The blastocyst hatches out of its shell and burrow into the uterine wall, endometrium, which serves as the source of oxygen and nutrients. About four weeks from the beginning of the last period, near the next period, the blastocyst has begun to produce the pregnancy hormone to tell your ovaries to stop releasing eggs. From then on, the menstrual cycle pauses. The blastocyst is called an embryo now. Home pregnancy tests might be able to get a positive result. At week five, the circulatory system, brain, and spinal cord are beginning to form and the tiny heart will start to beat. The baby's heart beats about 54 million times before birth. The placenta provides oxygen and nutrients to the growing baby and removes waste products from the baby's blood via the umbilical cord. The nose, mouth, and ears are starting to shape at week six. At weeks seven and eight, the embryo has doubled in size since last week's. Little hands and feet start to grow. At week nine to 12 of pregnancy, the embryo is called a fetus. The baby is almost fully formed and has completed the most critical portions. The facial features are more recognizable. The fetus's head is rotated and bent towards the chest and he can occasionally touch his face. The diaphragm muscles start to grow. 
the reproductive, circulatory, and urinary systems are all at an advanced stage of development. The fetus will urinate in the amniotic sac. It is a sign of the proper functioning of the fetus's body. If the baby is a girl, her ovaries contain millions of eggs. If the fetus is a boy, his testicles will already start producing testosterone, male sex hormone, which is necessary for the development of his reproductive system. She or he is about five centimeters in size and 14 grams in weight. She or he is growing and maturing until ready to birth. There you have it, a perfect introduction to postpartum energy in the female body. And that's what we're going to talk about. We have my doula in the studio, uh, Empress uh, is joining us, and we have uh, another doula joining us at 9. And the female perspective today on being a doula and how we can help women who choose to begin a journey, an amazing journey. The music in that video was so amazing and so appropriate because what we were looking at was a symphony of sorts. And that symphony is now playing out in our adult bodies. And we're going to learn how the hormones are activated in, a diff in different phases of that video, the beginning, the male, the sperm, the egg, the, the, the building of the body, they're at all during those, those trimesters, first, second, third, and now we're in the fourth trimester. It's called postpartum. 
And that is when the hormones are going kind of crazy, not crazy. You know, they have a term called postpartum depression. What it really is, is postpartum adjust hormonal adjustments going on in the female body. And this is why a doula is so important to be with a woman from beginning to end because your body can be very well prepared for postpartum uh, activity, symphony. The symphony goes on. But we have failed, and many women have failed, and men have failed to recognize the sacredness and the symphony and the divine order of all things, especially when a woman delivers that baby, boom, postpartum, fourth trimester, no negativity. It's just making, bringing the body back into adult body balance when you're not pregnant. So we got to take a break, and when we come back, um, our doula is in the studio. But if she's not ready, I've got a. Uh, I want to play a audio that a really brief audio that explains the hormonal activity that is going on in a woman after the pregnancy, and that is why we have many women, many women, seeking help because they have not, number one, they haven't prepared their body for nine months for this fourth trimester, the postpartum, when the baby's here staring in the face, crying, sucking on the nipple. Many women don't prepare for that. And we're going to show you how you can ease, breathe through the fourth trimester today and bring your body back into homeostasis quicker than normal for some women. And the fact that uh, minority women are three times uh, more likely to suffer uh, mortality during this time is a reason that we're going to really focus on how to prevent that and how we can support and help them. The sacred medicine of the placenta, I've been studying this all week. It's just amazing what came up and the help I had from my brother, uh, Kwame Sunhorse, and, and other uh, uh, sources of information that brought me to a much deeper, deeper understanding of the role of the placenta. So we're going to get in all that when we come back. Uh, we'll be right back after a few messages. So stick and stay. Don't stray away. Here we go. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com and I'm Viato.
Trump email solution global radio TV show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday morning mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, self-self care with Jody Poussin. Wednesdays, repairing broken families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, soulful solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, health and well-being with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, success strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on relationships. Third Saturday, move around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. And we are back. We're going to keep rolling here because we have so much to cover. And my guest is in the green room. And before I bring her on, I want to just uh, play this audio so she and I can have a really good discussion about the hormone activity in women. It's so important today that we understand. This is a show about understanding the process that all of us go through. That's why we're all one. We all go through this channel, this uh, this this uh, process. And I'm going to play this really um, quick audio about what happens to our hormones, uh, how they change in postpartum. <laughs> During the course of pregnancy, uh, women's levels of estrogen and progesterone gradually increase in the beginning of pregnancy and remain at an elevated level until delivery. And at the moment of delivery, those levels drop precipitously, as well as uh, thyroid hormone levels, cortisol, a whole host of uh, metabolic and hormonal changes occur at the time of delivery and within the first 72 hours postpartum. So those first three days postpartum are uh, extremely um, uh, busy times <laughs> in a woman's body, recalibrating, uh, uh, re-equilibrating. And uh, what most women experience uh, in response to that is a feeling of emotional uh, upheaval, a roller coaster. Uh, they have uh, surges of euphoria and feeling um, um, satisfied and gratified and pleased and relaxed, mixed with feelings of overwhelming anxiety, fear, sadness tearfulness, even agitation, that is completely normal. And um, frequently it evolves into a syndrome called postpartum blues, which is a self-limited, brief, um, four to nine day syndrome of, again, a kind of host of psychological symptoms, emotional symptoms, mostly sort of um, tipping in the scale of the depressed or downside. Um, uh, that resolves on its own that's believed to be related to uh, these hormonal changes. 60 to 85 percent of women experience postpartum blues. Only 13 to 15 percent of women experience postpartum depression. So it is not that cascade of hormonal change that precipitates postpartum depression in most individuals. It is vulnerable women, women with a biological vulnerability to depression or a previous history of depression in whom that change in hormones may un uncork or unravel or unmask an underlying depression or a vulnerability to depression. So in normal individuals, that hormonal change may elicit psychological symptoms but not disease. 
uh, and in vulnerable individuals, it may uncover disease. So there you have it. It's an emotional roller. What happened to my guest? She left. Oh, okay. So we, uh, my guest was in the studio. She's in the process of moving, and I know um, we are. I'm gonna send her a message. We're ready for her uh, because she's moving, and she has four children. So um, she'll be back hopefully. If not, I have another. Uh, another one. Oh, there we are. Let me add uh, Empress Zuri. Hi, sister. How are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bless you for being here. Can you hear me? Greetings, greetings. Yeah, I got kicked out. I don't, I don't know what happened. I got kicked out, so I just came back in. All <laughs> right. You be in one moment and you be out the next. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for being here. You look beautiful as usual, and you got the kids in the background, maybe. Yeah, the little one, he's up, he's walking around, so you may hear him from time to time. I have my, one of my daughters going to take him in a second, so I hope they have a little quietness. But if it gets too noisy, just really hands like this, so that way I know. No, no, hear. that's great, perfect background uh, effect to have children in the background. Yeah, we want to have a little child's voice. How old is the smallest one? The youngest one is one. He just turned one July 30th. Oh, bless you. Bless you, my sister. Bless you. Yes, we love you, too. Hi, baby. What's his name? His name is Prince Tau. Prince Tau. We got a prince rising in the house. All right. A king coming up. That is beautiful. Well, welcome, welcome, my sister. And I hope you heard... uh, the last audio about all the emotional roller coaster that you are very familiar with, I'm sure, after the birth of, this is what, your fourth child? Yep, yes, yep, the number four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your own childhood uh, and how you made, came to be this amazing doula that you are today. So what was your childhood like? Wow. Um, I would definitely say I had a blessed childhood. Um, My mother definitely made sure that me and my brother had whatever it is that we needed, honestly. Like, I tell my children, you all are so blessed because my mother made sure to this day she still supports me and my children. But um, I definitely would say I had a great childhood as far as when it comes to with her providing her love and her support and making sure that we had food, shelter, water, and clothing. We had opportunities to actually be in different things, whether it was music, dance, art, whatever. So I was exposed to a lot of a lot of cultural backgrounds, too. I lived in Miami, so, you know, you have some of this body. You got Hayden, she has friends, so many different backgrounds. Um, and I was able to um, learn from them as well. Um, one thing I definitely would say on the downside is that the lack of education that I didn't receive pertaining to young girls' womb health, you know, young girls' mental health, young girls, how do you, you know, you're growing in this body as coming into a, a teenage world. When you come into a cycle, you're you're a woman. So I got my, my cycle, my menstrual cycle, I got it when I was 12. 
So, you know, coming into that phase, I didn't know much about a menstrual cycle. My mom told me, you know, little things about how to, you know, change your pad, things like that. But I had no sense of knowledge of, okay, if I'm cramping, what do I take? You know, so the, the miseducation was not there. And then when I went to high school, we did have a sex, um, it was it was actually a <laughs> sex class. I forgot the name of it. But anyway, you go in there, you learn everything about condoms and sex and everything else. It's like, okay, but, oh, wow, okay, this is what I should use and what I shouldn't use. And if they come, if you don't use a condom, you see. So, you know, um, I was exposed to a lot, and I definitely am appreciative of my mother. Um, and my father was there from time to time, but my mother and my family was supportive. Now, how did you uh, start your doula training? When or how, why did you start doula training? Okay, so when I actually got pregnant with my son, I actually, I was just moved here to Miami. I mean, I'm sorry, Orlando. And I met Jenny Joseph. And when I met Jenny Joseph, I just immediately connected with her. Um, And that was a great experience. But then I had to move back to Miami. So when I moved back to Miami, I came across another midwife. She was in Miami. Um, She's retired now. And from then, I just was, like, in awe about everything that they were doing at the midwifery, you know. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. This is amazing. So so that right there, like, kind of, like, you know, ignited something in me to, like, ooh, let me look more into this. So after maybe about two years of having my son, I came back to Orlando, and that's when I reconnected with Jenny Joseph. And that's when she was talking to me about the doula program. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'll take the class. No, do that. So I did Tim Burks, you know, got certified. And then from then on, I've just been, you know, connecting with women that I see on the road or somebody else may know, you know, somebody who's pregnant, needed assistance. So I've been, you know, on the journey since then. That was from 2010. Well, you know, I live about 15 minutes from her birth center in Winter Garden, and I'm now that I'm retired, kind of semi-retired, I'm really thinking about volunteering at her center because I just love her energy. We're talking about Jenny Joseph, the midwife in the Orlando area. She has two centers now, I think, one in Winter Garden and one in Orlando, city of Orlando. So we just love this woman, and she was the reason that we became interested in becoming a doula. So... What do you know uh, about the the sacredness of the placenta? You've had four children. Have you all have you known about the sacredness and some of the ceremonies uh, that the world, the global family uh, practices around the placenta? Yeah, um, actually, I started to to delve more into the placenta after. Well, actually, when I got pregnant with. My my second child, Tashetta, she's um she's twelve now. So when I was pregnant with her, I had a friend of mine was like, Hey, do you know about do you know about placenta encapsulation? And I'm like, um, no, what is that? So she explained to me, you know, what it was. I'm like, Okay, so when someone tells me something, I like I love to research. So I'm like, Let me go research this, let me see what it is all about. So I did research, and I'm like, okay, well, sounds interesting. I see people have positive and negative. There's always a positive and negative thing. So I'm like, okay, interesting. I mean, if I ever would get pregnant again, I mean, I don't know if I would, you know, eat a placenta. You know, <laughs> everybody has their opinions on it. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So um, when I got pregnant with her, I had her, 
and one of my friends was like, well, what are you going to do with your placenta? Right. Um, she was like, are you going to eat it, and are you going to consume it? And I'm like, well, you know, I know they say it has multiple properties, but I'm going to go ahead and bury it because I wanted to have a plant. I wanted, like, my own plant. So I buried it, and, you know, this plant is, is beautiful to this day. So for me, the placenta definitely, for me, through learning over time with the placenta, how it's beneficial whether a person wants to consume it or not. There's different stereotypes when it comes to the placenta. We're consuming it. But as far as the history behind the placenta, encapsulation, and different rituals, many cultures that come from, even in Morocco, um, in Nigeria, you have in Agambia, everybody does a placenta ritual differently. Every single culture. You have some that may use it for healing. They may not even consume it. They may just use it to heal a wound. Some may actually use to bury it. They want to harvest the plant. They want to, you know, have a healthy garden. They grind it up and they use the powder and put it in soil. Some may actually do the same thing and put it in capsules and they may consume it to increase breast milk or to decrease breast milk. So for me, Everything is based off of, you know, culture and background. You know, what would be the reason and the purpose of you using the placenta and how you're using it? Yeah, there's many different cultures that have many different rituals. For me, it's sacred. And, you know, it's something that, of course, that was attached to me and my child. And I see it as something that if our body releases it, then we should give it back to the earth. That's just my opinion. Now, how have your clients? been uh aware of that or how have you have you had to educate them what's your experience with your clients your pregnant women that you've worked with uh, do they are they knowledgeable about the placenta have you had to educate them are they requesting what's been that experience for you well my past two clients actually they haven't even thought about the placenta yeah. it wasn't even on their mind until i brought it up yeah you know and they're like oh the placenta oh does the hospital keep it? Ah, so a lot of women, girls, they, 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 they think that the hospital is supposed to keep their placenta. And the first thing I say is that, well, it belongs to you. Yeah. And on the other hand, you wouldn't want someone else having something that belongs to you and make a profit off of it. Yeah. It has live stem cells in there. Yeah. And yes, it does cure cancer. So the hospital keeps it for that purpose. So I always tell my clients, you know, you have a choice. If you want them to keep it, that's your choice. But from my opinion, you know, I will recommend you keep it, um, and you can put it in a freezer and a Ziploc bag until you decide what you want to do with it because it is part of you and it's a part of your baby, yeah. you know, and that's sacred in itself. You know, so a lot of my past clients, they really didn't have any thought of the placenta. Now, a few clients that I've seen recently, they're like, oh, yeah, what about the placenta encapsulation? Because that's, you know, heavy now. So I explained to them, you know, of course, my opinions on it. I don't force anybody to, you know, take what I say um, to be permanent. But, yeah, I give them, you know, the vision of, okay, this is the pros and the cons. Because there's always a pros and a cons thing. You know, and I let them make that decision as far as what they want to do with their placenta. Yeah, and let me clarify for those of you who don't understand the role of a doula. Our role is to support the pregnant woman. We're not going to direct her. We're not going to be dictators of what she has to do. 
and that's why I'm sure Empress uh, goes through the process of, first of all, interviewing her pregnant client, uh, finding out about their environment, their home life, their, their needs, their wants. And then we tell, we let them know, I'm here to support you. I just um, uh, started a relationship with a new client. She's 17 years old. This is going to be so interesting. She's two months pregnant. The father doesn't want the baby. The father's parents don't want the baby. They're, like, dragging her to an uh, adoption clinic. I'm like, what the hell? But I sat down with her, and I said, do you want this baby? She said, absolutely, yes. So now we're in this battle emotionally with her her boyfriend wants to drop her now. He done planted the seed, and I, I don't have anything to do with that. Where was your condom, baby? Okay, so this is the drama that I'm in right now. And it's been a beautiful experience because the girl's mother I know very well. In fact, I've known this 17-year-old since she was two years old. So it's a beautiful development of a relationship with not just the child but the mother who I've known for seven, 15 years. So the idea, we as doulas, I want everybody to be really clear on this. We support the mother in whatever decision she wants to make about this nine-month sacred divine journey. And that's why a doula, every, I think every pregnant woman needs a doula. And that's what we're promoting today is that we're going to start, listen, Empress, we start in our consciousness revolution about the placenta because we've been giving away this sacred organ it's a sacred organ that develops while the baby is being in construction i'm going to share while you're doing uh your thing with your your son let me share this really good article i found that just is so informative about the whole thing, the rebirth of placenta rituals, because I was doing a lot of research this week. And the website is called sapiens.org, S-A-P-I-E-N-S. So I'm going to write that in the comments, because I want every person listening, whether you are a certified doula or not, I want you to be aware of the rebirth of placenta rituals. We have been given away a sacred, divine part of us as women to a medical system that is profiting off of this divine gift. And this is the article, and it starts, I'm telling you, this, is, this article is just amazing. It, it is so comprehensive. It's uh, from 2019. But for those of you in the studio, it starts reclaiming an organ that modern medical professionals often designate as waste may inspire more people to study and adopt ancient traditions. So if you go to the website.org, S-A-P-I-E-N-S.org, it's the article, you want to look for the article, The Rebirth of Placenta Rituals, and they have some really good articles on this website. But just to show you, look at all the pages and I signed up for their email because I want to be really uh, – they have – look, this is a picture of the dried placenta and the umbilical cord here. And that's what happens uh, when a woman decides she can do it herself. She can actually – that belongs to you. Let me make this clear. Women going in a hospital, uh, you just make that very clear from the beginning. I want my placenta. It's mine. It's sacred. And here's uh, someone – uh, doing some tests on the placenta, and this is just a very thorough article. I want you to just 
Uh, and here's some other articles they have, how natural births became inaccessible to the poor, uh, and just on and on. They have some really great, but this is an article I would recommend to every new mother because it is such a really good example. It's a really good example of educating women and revitalizing the need for every pregnant woman to start thinking about keeping your placenta. Because if nothing else, you can have a burial ritual. You don't have to eat it. You don't have to. I, I was, there was a guy on uh, one of our blog talk shows this week, and I asked about, you know, what, what do you think about the placenta and encapsulating? Ah, no, you don't need to eat it. You can get all that from your food. You can get all that from your food. And I'm like, ah, that just didn't sound right for me. And it was a male doula. And I understand a male doula cannot empathize with a pregnant woman, okay? That's just the way it is. And so his reaction to my question was like right away, ah, no, you can't eat it. Well, you can eat it if you want to. That's that's up to you. And that's why I presented this article so you can be informed on every decision. And that's what doulas do, right, Empress? We inform, we educate, we support. In every way, this is what we do. And then the midwife, like Jeannie Joseph, you want to have a Jeannie Joseph midwife because she is experienced and so compassionate, so patient and calm. She's been doing experience. She's been doing this for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. It's been a long time. That's what you want to prepare for, and that's what we as doulas help women prepare for, a beautiful, divine, synchronistic, symphony, sacred pregnancy and then, the, like they call it, the fourth trimester, the postpartum, we're going to help you breathe right through that. But part of breathing through the postpartum is being prepared in nine months. So what's your thoughts on that, Empress? You're on mute. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I definitely agree with what you're saying because from my experiences, I mean, I'm, I'm I have a book coming out. I will have a book coming out with my experience for birth and postpartum, but yeah, your pregnancy definitely can determine how your postpartum stages can look. Now, postpartum, you know, during the postpartum phase, I would say every day is a new day. It's a challenge. Every day is a challenge because your hormones are changing dramatically, you know. And as women, we're already emotional beings by nature, you know. So if we don't some women have a hard time balancing their emotions based off of their, their lifestyle, their circumstances, whatever, whatever's going on in their home. Um, and sometimes women don't have that emotional support, you know, doing that postpartum phase. And that lack of support can break a woman down way down. You know, I mean, to the point of suicidal attempts. I've read articles where postpartum women have killed their babies because they were just so emotionally drained, you know, mentally drained, spiritually drained. They had no support from their husband. They had no support from their family. And I've noticed a lot of times when a woman has to have a baby, it's all good for like the first two weeks, right? Three weeks, I give it. After that, just by herself, like just whoo, everybody's gone in the wind, and that's when I think women really. I had to break them. 
and uh, a lot of uh, love and care and make sure she's okay. I know I'm gonna be okay, you know. And uh, yeah, my son, he was seven. He uh, even helped me. What? He, to he sure did. At seven years old. Yeah. And, what role and now he's he uh. He was holding her hand. She had to squeeze something. <laughs> he, he was talking about later how his hand was like, uh, like squeezed up together. <laughs> well, and it was it was rough on him, but he uh, he managed to get through it. Now he's tough like I am. There oh, wow. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you go through any training to be the 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 midwife? Basically, you were a midwife bringing the baby into the world. No, ma'am, I didn't go through any of that, and uh, I was uh, delivered by a midwife seventy okay. some years ago. Mm-hmm. And How many I just years ago? went through it. It was easy, ma'am. How many years ago were you delivered? Seventy some years ago. And what city was that? Uh, Kansas. Kansas. Okay, so even 70-some years ago, midwives were the job of bringing babies into the world. Very important people. Anyway, yes, I said absolutely. Arkansas. It's a difference between Arkansas and Kansas. If you spell Arkansas, well, some people call it Arkansas, but it actually spells Arkansas when you look at the word and spell it. Okay. That's the horse with another color. But that's where I grew up at and went to school and stuff. But anyway, it's... So you did two babies? Were the both of those deliveries the same? Uh, not really. The boy was uh, uh, a little bit harder than uh, my daughter because his head was bigger. In fact, my wife ah. passed out. And uh, that was kind of rough, too, uh, on her. Did you did you have to do any cutting to get to make her the the um, opening bigger for the big head? <laughs> no, uh, just use olive oil, olive oil, and then a lot of uh, reaming the area out, making it stretch on its own. It, it will stretch. You got to do it carefully and slowly with two two fingers, index finger and middle finger. And you yeah, push down yeah. a little bit and push down a little bit on the uh, opening and carry it in a circular motion. It will open. Okay. Yes. And you just did that intuitively, or how did, you, how did you know to do that with the first one especially? Well, it was just instincts, instincts. Me being the type of person, wow. the way I grew up, I did a lot of different things, and that's one of the things I can add to my Toward, you know. They all did. Wow. So those two children, okay, so what about the placenta? Because we are talking about the sacred medicine of the placenta, and we are starting this day raising the consciousness of every person to uh, communicate to pregnant women they need to keep that placenta. What did you do with the placenta for your your wife, the, the mother? Kept it in the freezer. Okay, in the freezer. My son, yeah, kept it in the freezer. And when my daughter was born, 
uh, we just put them together and we buried them around uh, nice trees that we liked and done a ceremony. Because we used to do, uh, yes, ma'am, done both of them together. Okay. Mm -hmm. With the umbilical cord as well. And the umbilical cord. Okay. So, and let me ask you, well, when the babies were born, did you keep that umbilical cord attached for a longer period of time? Because some doctors, uh, most doctors, just snip that thing off right away. Wow. How long, and did you keep the umbilical cord attached to that baby, and for how long? Uh, I left it attached. It actually comes off itself on its own. And, the uh, umbilical cord? Yes. It turns the baby the loose baby. on its own. As long as you wow. uh, tie it off so it doesn't bleed once it uh, you attach, untouch it. So uh, main thing is our sisters need to keep that stuff because there are certain people that buy that stuff from hospitals and clinics and doctors, you know, because who we are. And if you don't keep it, they'll sell it, even cook it and eat it themselves. Sure does. They had a cooking show on it, ma'am. Yeah, go ahead. They had a cooking show on TV quite a few years ago and showing how you cook it and, and serve it. <laughs> and people, uh, well, you know I'm dark-skinned, and people so other than me, my color, they were proud to get it. And it does certain things for them. Well, I think what we are finding is the medical system has always been corrupted by um, greed and profit, you know, pushing them away when that was probably the best thing for all women and pushing them away to make a profit on everything, the placenta, everything, the, the whole service, and then causing women to really be under more stress and um, yes. really creating for us ignorance. We, I, I, I was as asking for forgiveness yesterday for ignorance, basically. I'm not going to carry any guilt because it was just ignorance prevented right. me from seeing the placenta of two souls that came into this earth. And now I realize how sacred that placenta is. When you look at it, I'm going to try and bring up a picture of it, it's like the tree of life. It's the yes. vein. Did you, you were you in awe somewhat when you looked at that placenta and realized that this was what nourished and and provided nourishment and oxygen for your child? And now you you felt it in your mind that this has to be treated in a sacred way. Well, I grew up around certain people. I, don't, I won't mention any names, but. Uh... <clears throat> I just instinctively knew what I was supposed to do was because of, uh, I grew up around certain people in, in my later years and learned certain things. And uh, I just put two and two together, and after that, two and two turned out to be two and two, with my son and my daughter. He's 19 now, and she's uh, 13. Wow. Do you feel mm-hmm. um, so there's a high rate 
of uh, mortality, uh, pregnant mortality among uh, minority women. What is your thought about why that's happening? Certain people teach you to want to do certain things to make that happen, make that happen with uh, getting pregnant. They make money even doing that. And even after you get pregnant, they're teaching our females to uh, abort the baby. And uh, millions have been aborted. Sure have. But not mine. I got them with me right now. Sure is. So what do you, what do you think is uh, some of the solutions that we can reduce that mortality rate among um, minority women? What What would you suggest? Uh, to start making a difference in these women bringing forth healthy babies and having a healthy body. What what would you what are your thoughts on that? How we can do that? Well, you got to eat right. That's number one. You got to eat right. Period. And also raising your babies from the Bible. The Bible even tells you that. Raise that child up with the Bible and they'll never turn away from it. Paraphrasing. And uh, that's the second thing we need to do. And stick to it. Stick to it. Because that's what's going to work. We've been pulled away from a lot of things to make us fall from where we should be. And uh, a lot of us is listening to it. And we don't even adhere to what they are being taught. A lot of our children. As far as doing the right thing. Honoring our father. And the father's first, and the mom. Sure is. Being pulled away from that every day. Those are two main things go together. Sorry. Well, no, I I, we appreciate the wisdom uh, in that statement uh, from a man uh, who has observed the natural process of birthing, delivery, and then. Bringing, bringing your own children into the world, that's so rare that we can really be grateful for your wisdom. Have you thought about writing a book on that experience and not letting it get no, lost? No, ma'am, I hadn't thought about it. Uh, a couple of people uh, actually if I ever thought about writing a book, but this was on health because I do a lot of health stuff as well. I like uh, okay. sisters that's pregnant. That's pregnant. They need to drink. <clears throat> excuse me. Drink a slippery arm tea. That make that canal slippery, and that'll help you deliver even better. Appreciate you, Shaka, for coming on and sharing that wisdom. And I encourage you to write a book so that wisdom doesn't get lost, or at least included in your health uh, material, because that's an important part of uh, the journey for all of us. Especially these young women, um, as I said, I'm dealing with a 17-year-old who's pregnant, and she needs all the wisdom and knowledge she can get, and I'm going to be right there to throw. I'm always texting her these days and sending her whatever comes across my path, and uh, that's what Empress and I are doing to make a difference. Empress, do you have any comments on what um, Shaka just shared with us and how you have been consciously, you know, working with women? Yes, um, I definitely would say thank you, brother. I mean, because it's always important to take, um, be receptive to what our elders are saying. And a lot of people nowadays feel like 
Oh, well, you're older, so I don't need to listen to you. You have a lot of wisdom, but I definitely would recommend writing that book because a lot of men need to hear you. They need to understand that you are important, too, and everything that the man contributes to the woman, especially during pregnancy and birth and after birth, is vital to her health and well-being because we are the gods. You all, men, you all are the gods and the goddesses. So we give birth, we give that you know, women are the forefront and the sense of birthing aspect. And without us, you know, there won't be a human race, you know. So you so being very supportive to your wife in that process shows how of you are the image of God and she is the image of God, you know. So that that's this is beautiful. Thank you yes, for sharing it. So one of my my seven recommendations to avoid the postpartum uh, 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 fourth trimester challenges is sunshine and exercise. Let me ask you, Shaka, was your wife um, doing a lot of movement exercise for Naima and getting a lot of sunshine? And how long was her labor, uh, by the way? The The son, he was about two, about two hours. And when he was born, uh, there was a, some kind of a solo activity. And every year on his Earth Day, something's going on in the solar system. <coughs> Excuse me. That's how wide it was. My daughter, she was a little bit different. Uh, both of them named themselves from learning what really? we learned. Oh, yes. That's that's what they used to do. Uh, from learning what we learned from elders, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, listening at them and watching what they do. That's what named them. But if you're in tune and watching them, they will name themselves. So your wife had a two-hour labor with your son. What about the other child? How long was her labor? My daughter, she was a little bit, just a little bit longer, but uh, it's been like three hours or something like that. Well, that's that's rare, probably these days, because there are some women who be in labor like twenty-four hours. I my first doula experience in a hospital, I relieved a doula who had already been there twelve hours, and this woman hadn't delivered, so she was so exhausted. She sent out a message like, "I need help. I need some." So I was available, and I went in there with my essential oils and you know, happy rested doula. And that woman, it took her another six hours or, or maybe four or five hours before she even, and they had to give her drugs. And let me tell you, the woman was on her phone half the time while she was in labor. So I, I really got from that experience that, okay, you want to have a long labor, pain, drugs and all that, stay on your phone and uh, don't do any exercise or get any sun. I'm guessing oh. that her life was not one of being outside and exercising. So what do you think, um, Shaka, when you think about your wife's lifestyle that brought her only two hours of labor, which is kind of rare, and three, what was her lifestyle during her nine months of pregnancy? After eating right and getting, like you said, plenty of sunshine, she would lay out in the uh, recliner, and raise her blouse up and let the sun penetrate her belly. 
You know what I mean? And that that's one of the keys. Getting plenty of sunshine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she... Go ahead. Was she very active, exercise? Yes, yes. She sure was. It had to be because yeah. I was always uh, exercising. There okay. Was. So there you have it from the elder's mouth, exercise, lots of sunshine. And I believe Empress, I don't know about you, Empress, but I tell women, and I was telling this uh, woman, I don't know if it was one in the hospital, are you talking to that child? The whole nine months, I believe there ought to be some conversation between that soul getting ready to come out. Because that baby is going to help you during labor. Uh, if you're talking, if you've got a good relationship with that baby while they're in the womb, that baby's going to be wanting to come out just as much as you want that baby out after nine months of tearing that belly. Empress, what's your thought on that, uh, the communication needed between mom and the baby for nine months? Yes, it's very interesting because I've had a client, I have actually three clients in the past. Um, I asked them, I said, do you talk to the baby? And she was like, no. no. What? She was like, confused. And I said, well, why? Well, remember, I know it still, it does. It does feel weird to feel like you're talking to yourself. But I said, no, just put your hand on your belly. That way you connect with the baby. And you just say, I love you. And I had her put her hand on the belly and say, I love you, right? And for me, from my experience, talking to the child, yes, it does. It's it's it's, it's powerful how our vibration is connected with that baby because that baby knows how to move. That baby knows when babies are turned upside down, that mother says, come on, please turn down for me. And just keep saying that until that baby turns. Guess what? That baby was listening, you know. And for my birth, you know, I when when I when I when I said I'm just gonna let you come when you're ready because a lot of times we want the baby to come right now right now no that's not how it works they come when they're ready now based off of your energy and how relaxed you are and if you're calm and you're in a peaceful state then they will flow with no problem like he said two hours my baby came out and I started laboring. Dying something, you know, so it was like three, four hours. He was here. Mm. Once again, too, with women, that movement, the movement, the squatting, the squatting is what brings that baby down. If every woman squats when they're in labor, that baby will come down easy and come down way much more faster than sitting on the back and not moving. Because movement, gravity moves. If you're still in sedative, that baby is your labor 30. I had a client 37 hours in labor, you know, before they was about to cut her, you know. So it's, it's, it's you know, once again, it, it, it can be men they can fight against the work. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for that input. And I really believe throughout, when I had my first child, my I was climbing a mountain trying to get that baby to come. <laughs> it was like overdue. And I was back at the, uh, the shore of California, and they had this great big hill 
And so my my husband, the father, and I were were like, okay, let's just climb the hills. I was I was doing so much leg work climbing that hill that that evening I went into labor, and it was a fairly uh, easy labor because I had been doing so much movement uh, all that week, even and especially again I was late. So I want to really encourage women to think about the more active you are, the more exercise you're getting during that, that those nine months, the easier your labor is going to be, the shorter it's going to be. And then my next, uh, my third, it, my third recommendation for dating uh, postpartum is massage. Shaka, how much massage were you doing for that woman uh, before delivery and, and, and the after? Every day. <laughs> Every day, I was a drummer too, djembe, and my son, he used to dance to the music. I guess he was dancing. I couldn't see him, but the stomach would be jumping and moving when I played the drum for him. Wow. Okay. Every and day. They the- can ask you. I'm sorry. They, they can actually hear you. The babies actually can hear you. And that's what many women miss is that this this human growing in you under construction has ears now. You know, if you watch that movie in the beginning, they got ears. Not just the ears, but the skin is picking up the vibration of the environment on the inside of that uh, woman and the outside. They have shown uh, videos of Two parents arguing, arguing while the baby was in the womb, and they had a sonogram on the baby. And as the parents were arguing, the baby was like jumping off, was making these stressful movements, like jumping off the, the floor of the womb because of the stress of hearing the parents arguing. So mm-hmm. these are the things that uh, remind the parents of when they're uh, in service to these, these women and men that this baby is hearing and feeling the internal yeah. as well as external environment. And music, you bring up music. That's another one that is important during the pregnancy, especially in postpartum. Uh, so we're, we're bringing advice uh, and, and um, recommendations to help you just breathe through postpartum and as he said, diet is so important. And I'm going to play, ooh, i got to take a break because I missed the other break. Uh, we got to take a break. When I come back, I want to just play a short uh, clip on the importance of the microbiome during and after pregnancy. And this is from a gastroenterologist. Um, this medical doctor was interviewing a gastroenterologist, and she started to talk about the importance of having a healthy microbiome during the pregnancy and especially after delivery because your postpartum experience is going to be helped and made easier by the microbes in your gut. And I realized um, uh, one of my relatives had antibiotics administered after her baby was born. The baby was separated Mm. from her, and she had antibiotics that just destroyed her microbiome community. And we want to remind women not to do that if at all possible. 
to let antibiotics in your system while you're pregnant <laughs> or you have to make sure you replenish and feed that gut because the baby is depending on you, mom, having a healthy gut. And we can talk about that. Uh, after we come back, I've got to take a break. I think I missed the last one. I'm so excited about my guest here. But let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We all say we would like to be wealthy. But wealth isn't determined by how much money you have. Wealth is determined by your power to define what money is. The dictionary defines money as something used as a way to pay for goods and services and to pay people for their work. So how would you like to have access to an unlimited source of money? Money that is not taxed by the government. Money that increases as you share the opportunity with others. Money that you can use to pay for goods and services and pay people for their work. I'm talking about Bitcoin. It's the future of independent wealth building. Bitcoin is the new money that you control. Get started building your wealth. Call 312-849-3456. That's 312-849-3456. Are you constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's Shatara, the goddess, you're on mute, uh, but if you want to take yourself, welcome my sister. This is another powerful, powerful, powerful doula queen. So glad to have your beautiful face here today to let everyone see you and the, the, the glow around you. And you are just, I have, we've had a long time relationship. In fact, I think you were on the show a few years ago, right? Yes, I was. I was. So, Shatara, please tell uh, my listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about your own childhood and how you became a doula. Okay. Um, and I'm almost at my office, so I'm just en route from my children's school. So I'll be there shortly so I can look in. I know we're towards the end of the show, but uh, my name is Shatara. I am um, Shatara Harube. I am the owner 
and creatress of Divine Buddha Goddess, um, which is based out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. But I service many different areas within um, surrounding counties, so like Crowley, Durham area. Um, and so as far as becoming a doula, I actually became a doula based upon me having a traumatic experience within the hospital system. And so I did not know that we could advocate for ourselves. I did not know that we could, like, we had rights. I did not know that we had autonomy over our bodies or our baby's bodies. And so um, I ended up getting into birth work because, unfortunately, I lost my son. And so he was born, but between the vaccines and my labor being induced, he just, I really feel he was born prematurely. And so, um, you know, I at first originally, I'm from Virginia, and so, I'm in the Hampton Roads area, and so originally I would just be telling other young sisters like myself in the neighborhood or around my grocery stores and the clinics, like, you know, you have rights and different things. And so when I ended up moving to North Carolina, um, I had a couple of people that would listen to me, and it was like, you should be a doula. And I was like, okay, well, what's a doula? And they're like, like, pretty much what you're doing, like, you should look into becoming a doula. So I've been a doula well over a decade, but professionally trained as a doula for the past five years. And so now I also train other women um, to become birth workers and to be doulas. And so I have a doula training and mentorship program that I offer within the community. Um, so now I will also be offering this online as well. And so um, it's just a way for us to continue to uplift, enlighten, and um, get back in alignment with our ancestors and the way that we naturally was given birth and not saying that everybody can have a um, home birth, so to speak. You know, it's not meant somebody just have their own things that's going on, but and many different women, but just ultimately the care, the quality of care when it comes to melanated bodies, us being there to support each other, us being there to protect each other, us being there to be able to assist one another and just like really like care. So, you know, um, a lot of times we go and see these care providers. However, the quality of care or the, the way that they care for us is, is more of a number and a, than, than actually person to person or being to being. And so the doula is the one who actually has a consistent flow, a consistent rhythm with supporting the person throughout their pregnancy and postpartum period as well. Now, you have how many children? Four or more? I get, no, I've given birth to nine children. I, I lost one, so I have eight living children. So I have a tribe. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. A tribe. Uh, and, and you're just as young and be- youthful looking as uh, a 20-year-old. So uh, yes. congratulations on uh, maintaining your health and your, your consciousness especially. Now, with all those children, did you know about keeping the placenta in that journey, uh, giving birth uh of with eight children? Well, I was a teenage mom with my with my oldest two. So we, we kind of started pretty young and early. And so originally when I, I did not know, I did not have any type of awareness, so I did not keep the placentas for my oldest children. Um, after I found out a little bit more about myself, um, I would think it was number five. That's when I started keeping up with them. So um, with my fifth one, I gave birth to him in a birthing center, and so they actually suggested it at the birthing center for me to keep my placenta, and so I kept it, and um, I kept his, and I kept all my other children after. So I've, I've kept four. 
um, three of the children, they were loaded first. So I kept them attached to their placenta, and I allowed it to naturally fall off on its own. So um, because that's an indigenous, that's the African indigenous rights as well, too, is to honor the placenta and what's called a lotus birth as the sacred chakra. And because that the baby and this this beautiful organ that was, like, specifically created just on behalf of the baby and the mom uh, to protect both, it's a way of honoring kind of like the, the, the baby's friend, you know, like it's other, other soul or it's other spirit that's in there with them. And so it's allowing it, them to separate naturally on its own. Um, so that's what I did for my three youngest. They had birth. And then with the other one, he still got his, um, he still got his cord cut normally, but we kept this placenta. And what did you do with it? Did you encapsulate or bury? What was your ritual? I never, I've never personally done encapsulation. As as a doula, I've encapsulated well over two hundred placentas. Like I, I put, I do placentas almost every single week, one wow. or more a week. Okay. Um, so it's 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 highly highly popular. So I don't know um, my, um, I gifted it back to the earth, and so it was buried, and it was like. Um, I did a, a, a ceremonial um, gift back to my ancestors. So I put different things that represented, like, prosperity or um, ancestor money or coins and things of that nature, things that my ancestors liked. I put that in there on top of their placentas, along with some fresh herbs and, and things of that nature. And so um, it was a gift back to her and the ancestors for me having a safe and smooth delivery. Um, as far as with my clients, and the sisters that I assist um, with their experience with encapsulation, they there's so many different benefits that it has as far as um, their energy levels. I've heard people have a, a clear peace of mind. Um, their iron, their vitalization, like their energy is just up. It helps with milk supply. It helps them to to uh, get back to the low key phase, so their bleeding isn't as long as it normally would last for a couple of weeks. So um, it's many different benefits. I personally can't really speak on other than what I've asked my clients on, you know, how has this affected you? Or did you know a difference in your mood or your overall energy and things of that nature? Um, but me personally, I just honored, I honored, um, I honored the earth and gifted it back to the earth. So what is so the, like, what's the range of, what's the range of age of your clients that are doing the encapsulation? Are these younger or, or mid-range? What's the age range? Everybody. Every, I would say like, um, Early twenties, um, late thirties. I've had one my one of my clients. She gave birth to her first son at forty one years old. So um, it's a range, and she she's my oldest so far. Um, so it, it just depends, but it's a, it's literally a, a range of age groups. So you would definitely, you know, I was doing research all week on the placenta, and i i had yeah. to I had to forgive my soul myself for the ignorance that I held with my two sons who are now in their 30s and one's 42, so it's like too late. But I really did a kind of a a forgiveness uh, ceremony with myself and the the creator and the universe about the ignorance that I was in. So now I'm I'm in the mind of blessing my sons uh, even though I had that ignorance. So... I'm gonna, I want to ask you now, that, that is so important what you just shared, uh, Shatara, about 200 encapsulations that you're doing 
that women are, are knowledgeable, for one. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They've obviously done the research to come to that decision, right? I mean, they're asking you for your support, right? And I was, we were sharing earlier with my doula who was on with me, Empress Uzuri was with me, that our role as a doula is support. What do you want, mother? What is your need, mother? And how can I help you? So what have you found in the postpartum, what, I, what they call the fourth trimester? What are some of the things that you've done to help women uh, thrive and, or even survive some of them in that postpartum period? I would say with the postpartum period specifically, I don't think there's a way to help help everybody enough, unfortunately. Um, I really feel like because we're not in a – and really from what I've researched and information that I, I've tuned into, um, the postpartum technically is the first year of life with the child. And so, like in other cultures, this wouldn't just be the first six weeks or a couple of weeks or the first couple of days. This is like an ongoing lifestyle, so that way the mother can still be mother, the same way how the baby is being nurtured. And so, um, I really feel like it's not in balance at all. No matter how much we we show up or do meals, I feel like it's temporary because life is on the go. You know, the mom has to go back or get the children to school or she has to hurry up and prepare to get back to work or she's pumping and make sure when she does go back to work, the baby has milk. And so I don't feel like anything is natural at all. And um, for me personally, what I've observed is it's just not enough, personally. So, you know, I can say that I've assisted. I can say that I've helped out. But ultimately, like, what I've envisioned is creating a a um, revival in order to revive the way of being able to at least nurture the postpartum mom, at least for the first um, 40 days, 80 days after giving birth, you know, not just a couple of times here and there or, you know, just temporary fixes because most of the time women do not ask for help. Most of the time because they already know everybody has lives, it's a little um, resistant to ask for assistance and ask for ask for help. And so I feel ultimately, ultimately, um, we don't have enough support because we're not in a, in a village-like setting. We're not in a communal-like setting where everybody can step in and to assist, you know, and because of the lack of um, feminine energy that's literally, I mean, just not around, it's only so much that we can do. Like, you know, we, we, we can assist, but for me, I'm, I'm a highly spiritual impact. And so for me, I still feel like it's today's episode. And, you know, I have to be realistic with I can't save the world and there's plenty of moms. So it's just like, okay, creator, let me know how I can do this better or what, what can we put in place so we can create a, a normal lifestyle adjustment um, outside of how the system feels like, okay, you know, you just gave birth, that's it, it's done, you know? Exactly. Um, I want to play for us. Um, an a, a interview by Dr. Nicole Rankin. She's an OBGYN. And she uh, found, uh, was asked, a gastroenterologist, a female, talking about how important the microbiome is, not only during pregnancy, but postpartum. Are you familiar with the microbiome and all the trillions of, of uh, activity that go on in our body? It's so much, the body in itself, just everything is, is so divine. It's yeah, like, it's all these absolutely. different systems within systems that's just, it's just so divine. Like, it's, it seems like I'm always learning. <laughs> like, it's never ending, you know. Um, but, yeah, and you said this was a gastrointestinal 
Well, the doctor, the doctor who who interviewed her, uh, is a gastro or is an OBGYN. So she d- delivers babies, and she interviewed a woman uh, who was a gastroenterologist. So she's in, into you know the colon and the you know rep- or get digestion and all that. So I want to just play a small bit of her interview and what this woman was saying about the microbiome and how important it is. So here's... Excited to share. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your work, and maybe your family. Sure. So I am an adult gastroenterologist. I grew up in Delaware and I traveled across the country for my training. I went to college at Harvard, and then I went to Northwestern for my medical degree. And I have always had an interest in gastroenterology, and I decided at that time to take a year off doing a Howard Hughes Medical Research Year, which is like a basic science year where I'm in the lab working with mice, and I was studying fatty liver disease. Mm. And then I went to University of North Carolina, which I know that's you you were I did. I was that, there, yeah. yep. So go Tar Heel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um that's where I did my residency and my gastroenterology training. Um I specialized in motility diseases. So I spent an additional year studying constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, a little bit about gut health and gut microbiome. And I really was debating going into an academic career or okay. going into private practice. And I realized that I loved seeing patients and I loved doing procedures. And although I really liked research, um, it was taking time away from the clinical side. And so I decided to join a private practice group back in my hometown in Delaware. Okay. And so I um, live and work in Delaware. I have two girls. They're three and five. Oh, I have two girls, too, and they're two <laughs> years apart as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure just like you, they, they keep me busy. Absolutely. <laughs> and my free time kind of goes there. So right. but I'm fortunate I have my family in the area, so they help me as well. Okay, okay. Well, you are clearly, based on your training, very serious about gut health for sure. So why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about what exactly is the gut microbiome? Sure. Lots of people have been hearing about the gut microbiome. Um, it's kind of a hot topic, and I think there's reason for it to be a hot topic. Um, so the gut microbiome is an ecological community of microorganisms. And what that means is that we are made up of bacteria, fungi, and viruses. And these all, they live on our body, and that would be part of the skin microbiome, but okay. they also live in our GI or gastrointestinal system, and that's known as our gut microbiome. And, um, you know, most people, you know, me included, initially when you think about bacteria, fungi, and viruses, you don't really want that to be associated with your body. Right. <laughs> You're trying to, like, be clean and hygienic, but actually these organisms are really important and they play a vital role in making sure that we all stay healthy. And this is a relatively new concept. We've learned about the microbiome um, starting in around 2006. Okay. And so there's a lot of research coming out right now and, you know, over the years as we realize how important it is. So that's why I think people hear about it. 
Um, when we talk about the gut microbiome, this is a really large system. So there's actually 100 trillion microorganism cells in our GI tract. I mean, isn't there something like there's 10 times as many bacteria compared to like human cells? That's exactly right, yes. And, and when you take it down to a DNA level, we are actually only 1% human, and our genes are 99% bacterial. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, and, and you know what? I, I was trying to put this in perspective because, like, when you hear 100 trillion microorganism cells, it's so tough to put it in perspective. So one way to think about it is that. So that's a, it's a, that's a long interview. It's about 45 minutes. So I wanted to just introduce that again. Most of my audience, my listeners know that I always talk about the microbiome, microbiome, microbiome. I'm on a, I'm on, like, I'm in boot camp right now to be more disciplined with feeding my gut. And, and Shatara, I have learned uh, over the last two years that this is the most important focus for everybody to bring back their health is to feed the gut. Because as you heard, there are trillions, there's more bacteria, microbes on, in our body than there are cells. And this, in fact, I believe, Shatara, this area is kind of like the placenta that most people have been ignorant about that you don't you didn't know you could actually keep it for one in the hospital and you didn't know what to do with it if you kept it but there's plenty plenty of information on the internet for about the placenta especially and there's plenty of information about the microbiome on YouTube so uh Shatara uh what would you say are the top three things you recommend women do to uh, avoid some of the suffering in the postpartum period after the baby? What would you, maybe the top two, three or four things you recommend your patient, your clients do after the baby is born? Um, I would say definitely seek support and help. Seek support and help. Um, be realistic about your feelings and how you're feeling and what you're experiencing and what you're going through because a lot of women will feel like to say, well, I don't want to make it seem like I'm crazy or I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm sad or depressed or I don't know what's going on, but it's such a hormonal imbalance that's happening and the body's trying to regulate the hormones on its own because there's so much iron that was lost, you know, all the blood cells went to the baby to sustain the life. And so um, just her whole rhythm, her body, like her not getting adequate rest, just being able to ask for help, um, preparing, I would say prepare for postpartum. Like birth itself, I know a lot of people, especially my focus is really being a birth doula because I just feel like I have to protect the body. Um, I have other doulas that assist me with providing postpartum doula support for my clients. And so I would say plan for postpartum more so than you do the birth because the birth itself is kind of like the marriage there you know, honeymoon or marriage ceremony, and then postpartum is actually, okay, now we're married. So it's like, what do we do now? Yeah. You know, married, everybody's all the giddies and the gifts and everything's out the window. Okay, now what? And so that's when humans actually need more support or more help is during the postpartum and, and the pregnancy. Um, so I would say just properly prepare for the postpartum, be realistic about where you need help. Don't try to do it all by yourself and definitely keep your placenta. Um, our placentas are being marketed. It was a major research that was done in the, I think it was 1991. And so the United States was 
selling placentas over to the UK and London for pharmaceuticals, for makeup, for different things of that nature. Um, here now, they try to find any way to take your placenta or keep it. Um, they'll say for stem cell research, or in the case of the baby has this, but realistically, we know what they're doing with our organs. So even if you don't know how to properly dispose it, even if you don't know how to, like, what do I do with it, even if you're the one taking it and even if you are literally putting it in the trash and stuff, not recommending that, but I'm just saying, even if it's you're the one disposing it or you're the one figuring out how to bury it. Um, other options, like for some of my clients that don't want to do encapsulation, um, like what they end up doing is they, get, they still get the placenta to be dehydrated same way how we do for encapsulation and they mix it with planting soil and so they put it with the plant. Some people take the actual placenta and mix it with the plant uh, for those that don't own their own land and don't want to bury it and you know they end up moving. Um, so it's other options to do it as well. I always do like art keepsakes for my clients so um, they have like an art keepsake of the actual placenta and umbilical cord um, but it's so many different things that you can actually do with it. Um, it's, it's like an African taboo to throw it in the ocean. Oh, um, really? I don't, yeah, um, because there's so many different spirits with the water. And so they, they actually recommend for people not to throw places into the ocean. I know in Nigeria, they do not, um, um, in the Orisha, like those that, that, that honor the Yoruba religion, um, a lot of the midwives over there, they actually do not. Um, recommend encapsulation because it was like it's like the whole like so for them. Um, some of them actually bury it in the house, like literally put it in the walls, the foundation of their home, wow. and make it be part of their home because that's how much they honor it and, and give reverence. And I did not know that at, at all. Um, so in some cultures, they actually do not recommend encapsulation. Some cultures do, especially like with traditional Chinese medicine, their indigenous cultures. Some people choose to you know, do smoothies that cook it. Um, but uh, for the most part, even though it's very popular and it has a lot of different health benefits, on a cultural perspective, it's not the traditional African culture. Um, it's actually honored more ceremonial or more ritual, like a ritual and a burial. That's it. Yeah. We're going to go over because we do have a couple of hands up in the studio. So even though you'll hear 90 seconds or what left over, I'm going to go over because I want to be sure – this show, this is my first YouTube uh, video after a seven-day strike, and I got a yes. strike because we don't want to mention the V word because that's a mis- medical misinformation. So I'm this. I want to. I want to introduce this show back to my formative and entertaining show, hopefully. But uh, having you and uh, the um, sister on earlier is just a real blessing uh, to give women who have been struggling and, and with the, the postpartum or the decision whether to keep the placenta. So, Shatara, before I go to the phone calls, give us some information how people can reach you uh, if they need uh, do uh, either in your area or if they want to do it long distance. How can they get a hold of you? DivineDoulaGoddess.com, D-I-V-I-N-E, Divine Doula, D-O-U-L-A, Goddess, G-O-D-D-E-S-S. Um, those are also my social media pages as well, even though I'm not, I'm honestly not on social media as much. I post and then my life is too busy. It's <laughs> I know the feeling. I have, yeah. I, I have my tribe, my eight children, and then I also, I'm, I'm doula mommy. So I have so many families that I take care of and then I have a, a 
crew of doulas that I'm training and, and preparing so that way I know I can't do it by myself. And it's only women that need assistance. And so I'm constantly either training or I'm doing something within the community. Um, but I do plan on starting an online course as well, too, because I've had, I already have people that come to North Carolina and train with me. Wow. Um, so we'll be the online um, program next year. And so we'll also be opening up the in-person training again in the spring. And so uh, it's, just, it's, it's just so much. And also I'm, I'm known as a spiritual doula in the community. So as far as like sage, incense, candles, thanks to our ancestors, our way of life, um, meditation, yoni steaming, reiki, um, healing, anything that will healing, like that's my vibration. All right, sister, take a deep breath. <laughs> that is a lot that you are doing, but. Oh my goodness! Bless you, bless you in this this assignment that you have. And I have been a, a doula uh, for about three years now. I'm not certified, but I'm just practicing it. And I'm encouraging all the women on the Female Solution to become doulas in practice because there are just so many women who need your support. That's the whole idea. Let me go to the phone call, the phone, and see if any of these callers who raised their hand have a question. We have three two one three six eight. Your mic is open, and we're in overtime. But go ahead with your question or comment. Well, thank you uh, for, for you know for letting me in into uh, not really ask a question. I just want to make a couple of statements. Um, this program is such a blessing. This uh, show, I mean, was so all inclusive. The other, I just want to. You know, commend you, all the that you had on the program, and give commendation to the all-knowing spirit that prompted this whole thing. Um, I wanted to say this. Uh, as I said, this show was so all-inclusive uh, until, as I was analyzing, you know, the various speakers and, uh, you know, input um, each person, uh, it was such a great information. I thought about this. I was like, there's two times in the life, I would say, of a, of a female that program, this program should be presented at those two times. And the doula should be presented. This is my suggestion at those times. And that is when that, when that girl is 15, uh, this program, which you had, should be presented to to her with her parents, you know, and 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 it's a, it's a discussion along with it, okay. And then, as she, when she becomes pregnant, okay, that's the second time that that she should be, you know, presented not only with your show, your program, but a doula should be there, okay, at fifteen. And then when she's uh, pregnant. But also, I thought about this. This should be this information because I was so blessed by all of this. And I wish I had known this beat when 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 my wife was done, or even before. But I think that all couples should be because I mean, so much ignorance has been actually just as as I listened to each person, it was just saying. How ignorant! There's so many people now that are coming into an awareness. There's so many women. There's so. But what about men? Need to know this this information. And so I'm saying that couples 
considering marriage, doing their engagement, they should, or their betrothal, or whatever you want to call it, they should be exposed to this information that you have on this program. They should be exposed to a doula so that they can have a, a intelligent understanding about birth. And I'm shedding up right from that point. Oh, wow. That is such, thank you, uh, Ms. Brother Mikael from Melbourne. Thank you so much for reminding us, Shatara and I, of how we need to present this wisdom and knowledge at early age. I've got a client, Shatara, who's 17 right now. She just found out she's pregnant two months. The father doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Oh, well, surprise. Have you had any clients that, that, that are 15, 16, 17, and how do you uh, treat them as opposed to your older clients? I would I would say um, I have not had a teenage mom that I have had to assist yet, uh, which is very fortunate for me as of right now because what I'm noticing within my community is the teenage pregnancy, like with me, I got pregnant at 15. I had my daughter right before my 15th birthday. And so that's something I've actually wanted to do for the past few years is assist younger uh, women, young ladies, with that support because we, we honestly don't know. Um, and so even though for me here in the area that I'm in, in Fayetteville, that's a service I offer free, I haven't had anyone to have to book services with me that's underage. So um, fortunately, but um, as far as preparation, I would love to assist. But um, we're also, I would say right now also we're in a time where so much is being promoted as far as these plan Bs or abortions. And it's, you know, a form of eugenics and the war that's against us. So it's, it's being popularized so much that even though it's fortunate that that's not, we just don't know the route that some of these people are going in order to not sustain the life or what's being promoted by their family members, you know, so. Yeah, our government is promoting abortions. I, I watched an interview this week, President Kamala Harris, I, I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, and she was being interviewed by a woman named Kiki Palmer. I never heard of her, but she's big on, I guess, social media. And at the beginning, they were talking about crisis uh, pregnancies and, and the, the maternal health crisis with women. And Kamala Harris was so compassionate, sympathetic. And then, like, halfway through the interview, well, you know, there needs to be more reproductive services, and you need to make sure you're electing people who are, believe in abortion rights. I'm like, what? 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 what are they? I mean, it started out so nice and, and calm and beautiful. Yeah, we have a problem, maternal crisis. Minority women are three times as likely to die, blah, blah. And then she quickly got into promoting abortions. I'm like, whoa, sister is on her job. That's all I can say. She's doing her job. And that's why we're here today, because they're going to do what they do, and we need to do what we do, and that is promote life and sacred medicine. Brother Kwame Sunhorse, your mic is open. Grand Rising, Sister Viata. Excellent, excellent show. And, you know, Mikhail said it best when he was saying is, 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 this is a teaching tool. And the, the video YouTube I sent you about how we conceive is an introduction when the young girl and the young boy are coming into adolescence. This needs to be a very important part for them to overstand their body and what is getting ready to happen. And then the other parts that have been put on this show 
is tools in which to say this is the process of what will what occurs when you conceive and and the part of elders guiding them and shaka excellent you know in what he shared in mantu and wahani those are his two children's names and the part for this is is that we as elders have to stop this generational death and what other part of it is, is that when you talk about the microbiomes, the thing is, is that that placenta, that placenta is the same microbial network that is in the earth. So that's why you connect that birth of a newborn life to the earth by putting that, that, that into the earth is that on the journey of that person traveling on the planet. It will be connected to the microbial network. That's why we say all my relations, we are all connected. And it's a divine order that you are doing this show today on September the 29th, the full moon in Aries, full moon in Aries at the beginning of the zodiacal sign and the fullness of the divine feminine light that will come from that moon tonight will carry this energy of this show. See, there's, there's, there's artificial intelligence, but there's a divine intelligence that synchronized this to be done on this now moment. So what we're doing is, is that we are overstanding how to use the techno-spiritual and the divine spiritual to communicate what is needed for the growth and development of the human on this planet and how we see life from that part of that sperm and egg meeting to where it ignites that egg. And it says, let there be light. Let there be light because when that sperm and egg meet, it ignites the light that produces life. Absolutely. Light that produces Shatari. life. So, Shatari, yes, do you have a... very, it's 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 very important. So I'll I'll let another person speak, and I thank you, sister, for allowing what they say. When you educate a woman, you educate a nation. When you educate a man, you just give us something to think about. Guitar, <laughs> we got one more caller, but did you have a comment from what he just spoke? Um, I agree. It's just everything is spiritual. You know, everything is spiritual. That's why birth work is so sacred because we're literally, and again, um, I, I honor postpartum. My, my focus is always more so on birth, postpartum too, because it's so vital. You know, that first year of life, the mom is being reborn, the baby is here now, but the ushering in of that energy, the ancestor, making sure the space is right, the energy is right, it, it's sacred for that being that entity to come and incarnate and for the space to be divinely protected. Like, that's what I really feel like I'm a guardian, a sacred guardian. Oh, and wow. so everything he was sort of opens up with the woman and in the heavens to allow the spirit to come in and incarnate into this physical body. Um, just the, the, the right people have to be doing it. Like, birth work is, is really the work of the most high. It's so sacred. And, you know, even though it's trending now, too, and everybody just thinks, you know, I want to do it, it's more so like, like even how you said, okay, I'm not, I'm not certified. That's just, uh, that's just because we're in a system of having to navigate on why we have to get these papers. This is ancestral work, and a lot of us was just this was born in us. Like, I was doing it before I even knew what it was, you know.
you know. So a lot of times, even outside of these certifications or, or documents, it's just a way for them to continue to keep tabs on us or to so-called give us permission to, to navigate within their institutions because this is our, we were running their babies. You know, the first hospitals weren't even in existence until the 1920s after the so-called times of emancipation and proclamation when they were letting us go and they knew that we had all the talents and the gifts. And because they lacked trades, then they was like, okay, well, now y'all have to go through our system fighting what we were already doing. So home birth and midwifery, that was already what we were doing. We were the ones doing that. And so really just, just getting back in the line with who we are. Like what I said, it is full moon, it's new energy. And, and the, this specific moon cycle in Aries is actually dealing with taking the lead releasing things that is not, not healthy for you or things or ideas that's not your own and releasing things that, that you know, so-called toxic or unhealthy or ways that you grew up and releasing these idealisms and moving forward and taking the lead in who you really are with this specific moon cycle. And then we're in Libra, which brings the balance, which also brings divine justice. So things getting back in order. So it's a beautiful time. Yeah. It really is, and, and you're in, you have the perfect background with those two trees behind you. I don't know if you realize that, but I'm like, I'm like really smiling at the trees and then your gold colors and all that. We got one more hand up. I'm going to go to the last caller, 312-882. Your mic is open. Welcome. Well, and Yashalom, Hua, and grand rising to you, Dr. B, and your guest, too. This is Minister Robert Florence Trump in Chicago. I just thought I'd share this thought and thank you uh, for all that you uh, do and the doulas. Uh, I was happened to be born in Mississippi, in, in, in Petal, Mississippi, in what they call a juke joint, a blues house. And they said oh, wow. I, I was born in the back room of the blues house in the back room uh didn't have no uh no no ceiling and at the time uh I wanna give a shout out to my doula uh Mrs. Bassey uh uh Patterson Patterson and she uh is one of the ancestors and yet uh I've had a chance to talk to her uh several times in uh my experience in life and the most important thing is that uh, they told me that the music kept playing, the beat was on, and that the angels of God was clapping their hands when I was born. And this is your brother's friend, Mr. Robert Floyd Plump, born into music. Now I own Plump Music Productions, and you're welcome to keep in touch with me. Thank you. That's such a beautiful story, and, and and because I know how much you really love music, and that is what you do. Wow, just goes to show you how important the environment that babies are born in, and especially the environment on the inside for nine months that we want to protect, as Shatara said, we want to protect that environment inside and out and help these women enjoy this, enjoy this sacred time of construction and um, bringing forth new life. Shatara, we're at the end of the show. Any final words for our listeners? Um, I, I just appreciate the brothers for tuning in as well, too. Everybody for tuning in. Like the, the woman, we, we are the ones that bring forth the life. You know, we're the one, we're the first teachers. And so, but we, we're divinely in our mission. So um, just everybody, everybody that's on the live, that's on your call, 
I would love to do this again with you. I know we kind of just cooked this up last minute on Facebook, but I would love to do this and um, instead of a time where we can elaborate on another topic or subject. So um, thank you for having me, and I hope everybody has a beautiful day on purpose. Yeah. intentional with our our thoughts, our actions, and our words because we are literally um, made in the image of the Most High. We are direct reflections, and as living gods and goddesses on this planet, the things that we manifest, is literally at the tip of our tongue, and so being mindful of the reality we're creating for the generations to come based upon our thoughts and our actions. So um, thank you for having me. Give thanks. And divinedulagoddess.com, right? Yes, divinedulagoddess.com. And you have some really good videos on Facebook. So how do they, they – it's the same name on Facebook? Because I love watching your videos on Facebook, too. We can Okay. So yeah, check out Shatara on her website and on Facebook because she's very uh informative, educated, and as you said, a spiritual god you are really truly a goddess uh on this planet. So I appreciate you so much. And yeah, let's do this again. You, you you know, you can contact me if you something comes up and you want to combine YouTube and Facebook and all that, we can do that. But we're on a mission to uh get rid of the ignorance out there. So yeah. that's what we do. Have a great day, my sister. And hug all those hug, thank you so much. Hug all the kids for me. I know that's a big hug, but do it anyway. <laughs> all right, take care. I will. Shalom, I love you. All right, thank you all for joining me. We do have a few comments uh, that since I'm on overtime. Uh, Naima, our executive producer, says, Grand Rising, thank you for the insight on childbirth. The more knowledge we have, the healthier our babies will be. Yeah, because we've been in a period of ignorance, total ignorance, and now is the time to bring out on all platforms we can. Uh, and as um, HLN TV, our Monday morning host, Delga, says, uh, Grand Rising, beautiful Queen Tea. What an enlightening show. Mothers will figure out a new way to use the placenta, motherhood root. And you're so right about that, Zelda. The, when you keep that placenta, you're going to get creative because you that is a part of the woman. That's a part of the child and the energy that comes out of seeing that tree of life in the form of veins and, and blood and blue and red colors is amazing. So, wow, placenta in the home, plants, awesome. Yeah, get creative, ladies, with that placenta, but whatever you do, don't hand it over to the medical people. The nurses, doctors say, no, 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 we're not doing that no more. We are out of ignorance, so thank you very much. We'll take our placenta home with us and do whatever we please because right now we still have that freedom. And then finally, our sister says, thanks for the brother who shared to inform couples. That was uh, Mikael. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Super informative show. I am so grateful that all of you feel that it was informative and important to share with all the couples, the men, the women out there, because we are really in a a serious period of coming out of ignorance. Racism itself is all about ignorance. It's not about white versus black. It's about ignorance because we got ignorance on all sides. So let's make a difference, bring the knowledge tomorrow, come back for more female solutions, and do it.
the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. Thanks. To our family in China, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, Merci. Gracias. Italy. Grazie. Grazie. Shukran. Ghana. Medasi. Nigeria. Eshe. South Africa. Ngiabonga. Senegal. Kenya. Asante. Israel. Toda. Pakistan. Shukriya. Afghanistan. Tashakor. Tashakor. Shukran. Shukran. Salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alaikum. And to all my yogi friends out there, Sadnam, Namaste, and of course Hawaii, you're in my heart, thinking of you always. Aloha, aloha. Stand strong, Hawaii. You got this, because we're with you. Everybody have a great day and have a beautiful week as well.